y'all doing this week? Not too shabby. I'm old now, so she's she is. uh 22 instead of 21 now. Just yep. a year yep. older. Yes. Queen. How was your B day? It was nice. I spent most of it in the ocean, which I know you you probably wouldn't be joining me if you were here, but you know, I grew up by the coast. I just I've got salt water as my blood. I'll do what I have to do for my ghouls. You know, if you ask me to go to the ocean, I'll try it. I love that, water. That means more than you know. You're a water baby, Emily. You're yeah. like a big Emily, time water baby. I have no worries about Emily. I grew up on a sailboat. But you know what, you guys? Can we just talk about something real quick? Because I've been waiting yes. to talk to y'all about it. Because I know you guys Tell know that you got the knowledge. You know what's up. I've been on the alien kick. Because <gasps> I finally Good. watched the Bob Lazar thing on Netflix. And I was like, oh, shoot. I know. I And I just went crazy, y'all, over the weekend. I've been re- researching everything. I feel like I know too much now. I might get tapped. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. that feeling. Mm-hmm. Kylie is our. So, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I what feel... do you think is going to happen with the uh, the recent uh, news story confirming that there were out of Earth objects? <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like we're going to get a, a lot from you know. From the government. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. I feel like they're just like putting their feelers out a little to bit. To see if people can handle it. Right. Yeah. Which obviously we can't handle anything here in the U.S. of A. Um, but I mean, if they're going to come help, you know. That's what I'm saying. Well. I feel like they're, they're just, they know, listen, they've been checking us out for a long time. And they haven't they're done embarrassed. anything. They're embarrassed. So it <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, true, they, though. they check us out. I they're like, oh, too. my God, secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> I am too. So it's like, I just hope that they don't think we're seriously hostile. You know? Everybody's got to be nice. Everybody's got to love each yeah. other. <laughs> I... I've said it before, but I'm, like, terrified of aliens just because, like, what's going on is so unknown that I just, I I don't do well with the unknown. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. ghosts, I know all about them. Seen them, heard them, been touched by them. You know, aliens, it's on the true. other hand, haven't met those guys yet, so... Uh, We'll see how it goes. But the evidence is just there. It really is. It's true. And so that's crazy. Yeah, now you're going to be, like, obsessed with it. I I am. I feel it. I'm telling you right now that I am. I'm, like, deep diving. It's just going to keep – it's just going to keep going. I know. Soon you're going to leave the house and you're going to be, like, hyper-aware. Of everything, yeah. <laughs> but but oh. then you're kind of like treading along the line of paranoia. So take it from me. 
<laughs> you know, just take a step back when that happens. <laughs> You've been there or what? Oh, yeah. Well, Though I also was taking a lot of Adderall. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was during – I was prescribed, everyone. Okay, yeah. relax. Uh, <laughs> it was during my last – it was during finals week of my last semester in college. Wasn't yeah. sleeping. Hyped up on the Adderall. There was this really weird, very loud – I can only describe it as like a a tin sound. Mm-hmm. But it was everywhere I went in the city. It was bizarre. What? But again, kind of in the Adderall. Did anyone else hear it? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, not when I asked them, but doing some some sleuthing on the internet, other people in Boston heard it. But I don't know. I don't know, man. Oh, Freaking aliens. Wow. You know? Aliens, oh, am I right? <laughs> only the chosen ones could hear it. That, yeah, that's probably what it is. Oh. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah, but. the methamphetamine salts. Those. That's what. Um, that's the catalyst to <laughs> to hear the call well, of the alien. Oh my lord! <laughs> I have something to not be paranoid about, and that's that we have a new patron, oh my and goodness. their name <gasps> is Heather. <gasps> Heather. Hello, Heather. You know Heather. Where I got you. Tell us. Right on my side. Real <gasps> close to the ghoul Ooh. tattoo. So that's saucy. a pretty tight spot. That is That's saucy. close to the heart. That is. Oh, wow, Heather. We love you. You're beautiful. You're gorgeous. And we appreciate you. We thank you. We truly do. Thank you, Heather. You're a queen. Um... Also, our friends at the Pearl Candle Company reached out today, and they want to know if y'all want a restock of the classic Magnolia and Peony Ghouls candle that we've had going on, or if y'all want to wait for a fall scent. So, Mm. people out there, let us know what you're hungry for, or both, you know? Do you want a restock and a fall scent? I'm already dreaming of fall scents. Same. I want everything. I want all of the candles. But that's just something for everyone out there to think about. Right. Do we want yeah. the current one, a new one, or both? Let okay. us know. Okay. And lastly. I'm excited for that new new. <laughs> that new new. Same. I'm like just thinking about what their brains are going to dream up because. I know. I love it. Uh, Maybe like a woodsy floral with a little bit of creaminess. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we're going like like having a piece of cheesecake in the woods. Mm. I've been obsessed with cheesecake recently. I don't know why I said that. I don't like cheesecake. What? (laughs) Well, I've been obsessed with it. Have you made it? No, but I it started when I bought a slice of cheesecake from Central Market uh, or no mm. Whole Foods and then I bought a slice of cheesecake from Central Market and then I brought a, a I got a frozen slice from like HEB <gasps> and now I've just been obsessed with cheesecake. So, wow. who can relate? It's the best. 
But I do have something very spooky to update y'all on. So over the weekend, I was like, I can't sit in my house anymore. I've got to get out, right? Right. So Mm -hmm. we went to San Antonio for a night. And we stayed at the Emily Morgan. (gasps) Yep. Go on. So the patrons have already heard this. They've got like a, a sneak peek so to speak um of what happened but i had originally planned to do an evp session at the hotel just to like see if i got anything well i didn't even have to do that to get anything so i quickly decided against the evp session because i was kind of afraid to stir anything else up because stuff was already happening yeah so that happens with you. It, mm-hmm. it does. It tends to happen. But we went on a walking ghost tour and I all of a sudden, like, I had to go back to the hotel because I had to go to the bathroom. There was no way around it. So I went back to the hotel and we were staying on the fifth floor and I'm walking back to our room by myself and I saw like the flash of a woman in a white dress. Stop. And I was, I was like, okay, like maybe that was just a weird trick of the light. Something was a little off. Like some, you know, like I tried to debunk it and not pay much attention to it. So I leave the hotel room again and I saw her again in a different spot of the hall. What? And so I was just like, okay. Okay, so I did see this woman again, and it was really odd. It was not like she was standing there. Like, it was just like a quick flash of her. So that was the second time it Mm. happened. Then later on that night, I went to get a snack from the vending machine, and I came back by myself, and I saw her again. So I was like, I don't know who this woman is, but she is spooky, and she's ghostly, and Clearly, she's trying to make her presence known. I don't know what she, she wants. She just wants to be friends. She probably does. And you know what? I love her and I support her. But this is when it got <laughs> too, too spooky for me. So I was in the shower. And I had already been kind of a little spooked. I just got like a weird feeling about taking a shower. And I... I I still did it. I don't know why, because I ha- in the back of my head, I was like, something is going to happen. No. But I was in the shower. I'm washing my hair. And I turn around, and I saw a flash of a man uh-uh. in a long sleeve white shirt with, like, a brown vest. And it was Ooh, just a shower? quick flash of this man. Yes, while I was in the shower, he was, like, outside because the— the top part of the shower curtain was like see-through so I could see into the bathroom. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. And there there for like a brief moment was a man standing in the bathroom. No. So I naturally screamed and I was like... Of course. I almost slipped in the shower. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I made Steve come in and stay in the bathroom with me for the rest of the time I was in there. <laughs> but then a couple times in the middle of the night... I woke up because I heard like a squeaky wheel sound 
And <gasps> I didn't think about it until after the fact. But then I remembered that when we talked about the Emily Morgan, people said they heard like the squeaking of gurneys. Right. I was going to say that. Oh, my God. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I didn't even think about it till the next morning. And it was one of those. It was one of those things where you don't really think about like the fact that you woke up because it woke you up so briefly. But then the next morning I was like, wait, I heard squeaky sounds last night. What was that? So weird. Wait, what floor were you on? We were on the fifth floor, which when I was Mm. doing some research after the fact, doesn't seem to have a lot of activity. But there is a ghostly like bride who's seen there, which I had also forgotten about. The white dress. So, yes, in a white dress. And people say they normally see her on the seventh floor. But who knows? Maybe she just needed me to know she was there. I don't know. I couldn't find anything about a man that people have seen, but it would kind of make sense to see, like, what he was wearing almost looked like a uniform of some sort, mm-hmm. and we're right next to the Alamo, like, where the Emily Morgan is, that was also the Alamo property way back when, so who knows, but spooky-ass experiences, y'all, let me tell you. What a weekend. What are we? Do you think so. because you have been trying to open yourself up to the paranormal a little bit more that you were able to have like so many instances, or do you think it's unrelated and this is just like it was just the time and the place? It's really hard to tell because I have been working with my mentor and actually seeing spirits like I used to. I mean, I still do see them from time to time, but it's just not as frequent as frequent as when I was a kid. But I I don't know if it's that or just that hotel is so active that like there mm. was no way around it, but there could very well be a correlation. I really I don't know. I'm shook <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. So, we'll we'll have to go back there again at some point cuz Someone was trying to make contact. Wow. What are we talking about today? Well, uh, let's see what's on the agenda. We're talking about hauntings and spooky stuff in Connecticut. (laughs) So I will will be honest with y'all. Most of Massachusetts will say, you know, it's not much to Connecticut. It's just the state between Massachusetts and New York. But <sighs> I will tell you, I know, rude. I will tell you, I've known it to be a place of some serious hauntings as well as history. So true. <laughs> when I was researching today, it was hard to narrow down because it seems like everywhere is haunted. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And yes, it is the state between Massachusetts and, and New York, but there's more to it. <laughs> there there are people there who love their state. I'm, yes. I'm trying to think of if I've ever been to Connecticut. I feel like I've probably been through it, but, you know. Maybe. People, maybe. people uh, who listen from I've Connecticut. 
What do you Mystic. think of it? Oh yeah. I oh love yes. Mystic. I would live there. Definitely think Mystic is like different than the rest of Connecticut. Oh, is it? <laughs> well, I well, love kind of Mystic. And I had Mystic's Mystic beautiful. pizza. Mm. Yeah. And I got one of their shirts that says a slice of heaven. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Gorgeous. <laughs> it's got a big pizza on it. I love that shirt. Oh, I love it. Well, 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 maybe maybe we have to go to Mystic again. We should totally go to Mystic. Because stuff is haunted. But I'm going to get a little crazy and I'll, I'll kick this thing off with a spooky one. Mm-hmm. Do what All I- right, y'all. This is the Mark Twain house in Hartford, Connecticut. I don't know why Connecticut has been on my mind. People have been requesting it, but also I've been watching a lot of Gilmore Girls and they're from... Uh, yeah. So they say Connecticut, so. (laughs) Here we go. So we all know Mark Twain. He is well known for many of his books, including The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, which he actually worked on in this very home that we're going to talk about. Fun fact. Little did you know. Also, we all know his name is Samuel Langhorn Clemens, but we're going to refer to him by his pen name, which is Mark Twain, throughout this because it is called the Mark Twain House. So for, you know, to keep it streamlined, we're just going to call him Twain. Oh. (laughs) So he and his family. (laughs) Yes. So he and his fam lived in this home on Farmington Avenue from 1874 to 1891 before they moved to Europe. So apparently he was in some financial trouble and I guess it was cheaper to go live in Europe and pay off his debts. So that is what he did. But this home is very cool looking. It was designed by Edward Tuckerman Potter and built in the American high Gothic style. So, yeah, it's a really cool looking home. I would love to visit it. But Twain's biographer, Justin Kaplan, called it part steamboat, part medieval fortress, and part cuckoo clock. So if that doesn't give you like a visual, I don't know what could. It's It's got a lot going on. It's really beautiful, though. Something that a lot of people don't know about Twain, though, is that he had a lifelong fascination with the supernatural. So I kind of remembered this and then I got into a hole about it today. And I was like, he was he was really into it. But it's actually said that he was willing to accept things that were, quote, outside the norm back in the day, including telepathy, ghosts, prophetic dreams, and more. He even Sick. became one of the most <laughs> famous members of the widely acclaimed Society for Psychical Research. So he was going for it. He had actually seen healers perform miracles of sorts on people, like his mother went to a healer and she had a toothache and the woman literally just touched his mom's face and she was healed. So he saw things like that that made him interested in it. And then he started having these prophetic dreams, including one about his brother that actually inspired him to go ahead and write his memoir, Life on the Mississippi. But his obsession really grew after his daughter Susie passed away. 
think she was only 24. So very sad. Mm -hmm. So after she died, he and his, his wife actually had been like really social, um, but she lost interest in socializing and her friends and she became kind of a recluse and she got really tied up in spiritualism, which we've talked about before, but it's a faith that believes in communication with the dead. So right up my alley, right up our Mm -hmm. alley. Yep. But because his wife was so interested in this, Twain got even more into it. Um, He ended up attending a bunch of seances with her, but he himself said he had never actually made contact with the dead. It was just something that he really wished to do. His depression got worse and worse over the years until his family and friends all started avoiding him because he would go on these rants about just everything and he would be really gloomy he was basically living in mourning and seclusion after his daughter passed away and he ended up making everything around him like a a memorial of her like his life was just in memory of her basically at this point he was like really hung up on her passing So it was said that he often dreamed that she was still alive and he would start questioning the difference between dreams and reality. But he started to think that she was actually returning to him in her dreams and or returning to him in his dreams, not her dreams. I hope he's not having her dreams. So (laughs) he, he was fully immersed in the spooky. Given his interest in the afterlife, though, it is no surprise that his family and others decided to stay in their beloved home after their deaths. So I read an article, and I will share it in the show notes so people can go look at it. But they interviewed Rebecca Floyd, who is the museum's director of interpretation, which sounds like a very interesting job. But she says the number of experiences that people have has just grown and grown and grown, and it has become popular to talk about. So people have started to share their experiences. A lot of other people want to believe that it's their butler, George Griffin, who's haunting the place. He worked for them the whole time they lived there. So it's said that this George Griffin character is mostly responsible for loud knocks and banging sounds throughout the home, which have frightened staff and visitors alike on multiple occasions. I don't know why they attribute the banging sounds to George, but he sounds like a character. He likes to get a little (laughs) freaky. So they used to keep the hauntings quiet. Museum staff didn't want the word to get out that things like this were happening because they were afraid that they would lose patrons, what have you. But, you know, we all know people are obsessed with stuff like this. So as more people started talking about this, they actually grew to accept it. And now they'll talk about it pretty openly. But people, the more that people have recognized that it's going on, the more the activity has ramped up. So people hear lots of loud noises. They'll feel tugs on their clothing or hair when they're doing a tour or a light pat on the back, which honestly, I would take that. Upgrade it to a massage, please. You know, (laughs) 
and a massage <laughs> a ghostly <laughs> massage people have also seen visions of spirits so apparitions quick flashes of spooky images they have also seen a woman in white floating around and people think that this is actually Susie Clemens herself mm. Mark Twain's daughter who passed away Mm-hmm. Uh, the billiard room on the top floor is actually said to be the most haunted area, and it was where Twain used to smoke cigars. To this day, people will get a waft of cigar smoke randomly, and it's actually set off the fire alarm on multiple occasions. So, what? residual smoke. Spooky. Uh, they say that they've called the fire department. They'll investigate. They can't find any source of where this smoke could be coming from. But it has been happening for years without any known cause. So if you ask me, I think Mark is hanging back, smoking a cigar, doing mm-hmm. his thing, and keeping it spooky. I agree. Like that? But yeah, that's, that's the Mark Twain house. And I got to get there ASAP. Yeah. Right. I honestly I could do a day trip out of it. <clears throat> I guess I'm losing my voice. Sorry. <laughs> I guess I could take a day trip. Uh. <laughs> Would you guys still listen if I talked like this? Yeah. No. The answer yes. is no. Yeah, I would. <laughs> um I when we were staying at the hotel over the weekend, I I may have uh, <laughs> consumed um an edible or something. I don't remember mm-hmm. what I did. Mm-hmm. But I was parched. And I started... <laughs> she got that the dry mouth. <laughs> I started doing the Spongebob... Water. Water. She <laughs> was like, what are you doing? I mean, water are yo, you doing? It's, it's like really hot out here. It is. I feel like it as is. soon as yeah. I go outside, I'm screaming for water. Water. Yeah. Stay but, hydrated, folks. For real. Stay hydrated. For real. Um, oh, and for those who have either requested the Connecticut episode or been waiting for Connecticut, um, I know that Ed and Lorraine, the Warrens, they're, they were all about Connecticut. They lived in Connecticut. They did a few investigations in Connecticut. So if you guys were hoping to hear about the Warrens, we have actually already talked about them a few times. Um, one episode, um, what was it? The the movies based on real life, paranormal. We did. Um, I think we talked about them in the possessions episode because yeah, they the, helped with one of, we did like the possession that inspired the conjuring, I believe. The conjuring. Yeah. Yeah. And Connecticut Magazine uh, did a super in-depth profile of the Warrens in April 1972. uh, And it was titled In Search of the Supernatural. And it was around the same time as the main events of The Conjuring. So it was around the same time that they were, you know, investigating and whatnot. So if y'all are interested, you can do a little Google In Search of the Supernatural, Connecticut Magazine. Very interesting. Yeah. I considered doing the Warrens just like as a as an overview um, mm-hmm. because that's where their occult museum was. It's it was in Monroe, Connecticut, 
but it's been closed for a few years now since Lorraine passed away. And um, they're trying to find a new location. So if anyone Hmm. is interested in helping that museum reopen, they have a Facebook page where you can go and show interest that you want them to come back because apparently people really miss it. So, oh, interesting. For sure. Yeah, I don't but need that. I, yeah, I thought, I think that the, their, their museum is super interesting, but I was just like, people aren't going to be able to go. That stinks. So, yeah. If you have an interest in it, be sure to go hype them up on their Facebook page so they know, like, people really want them to come back. I mean, especially yeah. with all the movies and stuff now, you would think, yeah. Like, this is the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Lorraine was, grew up in, I think she was, like, born, I want to say, like, Bridge, Bridgeport. I'm not sure um, if Ed was also from Connecticut. But I feel like it's almost like here in Massachusetts, if one of the, you know, museums or houses in Salem closed, people would be freaking out. It's like, yeah. it's a part of our hearts, you mm-hmm. know? So I feel for you. All the all those people in Connecticut wanting to get the uh, their museum back up and running. It, it'll happen. I have a feeling. It'll people, happen. People love the Warrens and everything that they did, so. True, true. Yeah. So, sadly unrelated to the Warrens, I want to talk about Barahack. Yep, that's the name. B-A-R-A hyphen H-A-C-K, which is a small, and I'm talking small, deserted colonial settlement from the 18th century. And some people may know of this as the Settlement of Lost Voices. And it is located in the Ragged Hills section, which is just all wood, uh, of Pomfret, Connecticut. And I've actually been here before, but we'll get into that later. So a little history, Barahack was settled in 1778 by Jonathan Randall and Obadiah Higginbottom. Mm. Let me tell you, I've been, I've been waiting all day to say that. <laughs> uh, and they came inland from Rhode Island right after uh, the Battle of Rhode Island or the Battle of Quaker Hill. That's the same thing. Um, which was basically, long story short, the British were being a bunch of assholes. <laughs> and people all along the coast in Rhode Island were like, oh, all right, well, we're going to go inland because y'all are freaking us out. So the Randalls and the Higginbottoms moved to or resettled to the hills in Pomfret, Connecticut, and they built homes. They uh, shared a farm, which included a water wheel, powered mill. Uh, they started a business which produced spinning wheels for the production of textiles. Um, they eventually built larger homes, and they had slave quarters. Ugh. And they, uh, there was also a small burial ground for the founding families. So the name, Barahack, is actually a Welsh term that is loosely translated as the breaking of bread. So as we know, the colonists were Puritans. Uh, there were also some non-Puritans, like Quakers and Catholics, Um, They were religious, so the breaking of bread, you know, had some significance and some meaning. And both families were from Welsh descent, so they cleverly named their settlement 
uh, the breaking of bread to celebrate, you know, two families coming together, sharing meals, sharing a home, sharing a space. So we love it. (laughs) Of course, there were already natives living in the woods for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, the Nipmuc tribe. (sighs) So legend has it, the Nipmuc tried to remain peaceful with the settlers, but obviously became angered as more land was stolen, as more settlers came. The elders of the tribe decided, you know what, it's time to scare away these newcomers. So we're going to go chant and yell in the woods at night. (laughs) So, you know, they proved to themselves that that scared the the Puritan bejesus out of the out of the settlers, so they continued to do it. Again, legend has it this could be you know a folk story, but a few family chickens and then pets went missing, and the Nipmucks' war cries at night got closer to the settlement with time, until one night a child went missing during a snowstorm. So the Nipmucks were reported to a taken one of the white daughters though others say it was the settlement people who took a nipmunk daughter so either way lots of trauma that ended mostly in death so the settlement continued to grow a little bit but not for long Uh, the randalls and the higginbottoms the founding families passed and business was not good the newer residents left the settlement around the time of the civil war so it you know, naturally but quickly became deserted. The settlement remained untouched by humans for hundreds of years, probably aside from people just walking through the woods, you know, not knowing where they were, until newspaper articles began to spread the tale of Barahak and the alleged spirit orbs and light streaks over the cemetery from photos that were taken. There were also stories of the face of a bearded man hovering over the graveyard. So this is like, this is a big deal. 1971, a paranormal team reported seeing the bearded man. And there was a bunch of other evidence that was presented in these articles. So at this point, some believed that The veil between this world and the next is thin in these woods, allowing a glimpse into days long past. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily a portal, but possibly. They know more than I, these paranormal investigators. Uh, The settlement gained more notoriety around the 90s uh, as word spread among amateur paranormal investigators. Uh, My guess is that the internet was to blame, you know, Spreading those facts, as well as the hit flick, The Blair Witch Project, that came out in 99, which some say was based on Barra Hack, um, though the film was um, filmed in Maryland and the plot was supposedly in Maryland. Um, many do say that it was based on this very settlement. There have been reported sites of a ghost baby. Many, many <laughs> reported sightings. I know. I'm like, what's the baby doing? Yeah. Is it like, you know, like what a, is. Is it in a cradle? Yeah. Is it running around? What is it doing? <laughs> um, more sightings of a bearded face in the cemetery. This, that's like a, that's a very specific thing that multiple people have seen. Like a bearded man over the cemetery. Uh, and many orbs. 
um, more so caught in photographs. Otherworldly noises have also been reported, um, including the sound of farm animals, horse-drawn buggies, and voices and singing. So Barahak was eventually closed to the public uh, due to all of these people trespassing, and it was actually damaging a lot of um, a lot of what was left of the settlement. It's also now on private property, and the owners are very strict uh, when it comes to trespassers. So um, I'm not sure how I got on there. <laughs> I went, I mean, I went with a friend who was from Pomfret, so maybe he knew like the back way, <laughs> or maybe at that time it wasn't owned by these people. Um, I want to say this was probably in 2008. Um, but I went and it, it, there's not much to see. I mean, I grew up in Massachusetts, so I've seen similar structures in the woods before where there are, you know, rocks laid out to create formations or, you know, old cemeteries and whatnot. And so it wasn't anything um, too spectacular, in my opinion. Um, and I don't recall feeling or noticing anything out of the ordinary, but... I have been reading many stories of those who have, so I'm going to share two. So this is from Anonymous. <laughs> I recently got married in the town of beautiful Pomfret. The day after the wedding, we thought it would be neat to explore Barra Hack. I had never heard of it before, but my cousin had done a little research. We noticed the signs and took a drive around to see if any of the neighboring houses belonged to the owners. We did find a couple that were wonderful, not sure if they were the official owners. They gave us directions and advised us as to where to park. It was beautiful. The stone walls and foundations were magnificent. We didn't experience anything until the final hour we were there. My cousin swears he heard the wheels of a baby carriage squeaking. I honestly heard a woman singing. That night in my own bed, I felt like something was entering my body. Then I saw a flash of the forest of Barahak without even closing my eyes. It was like I was there again. I haven't slept much since. Uh. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that I didn't have that experience. So, well. And then, you know, and then first, we have, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, first off, now I know something about squeaky wheels and they are spooky. But entering her <laughs> body? Yeah, I don't know if maybe... <laughs> I know. It sounds I don't know like if maybe she felt like something was attached to her. Yeah. Or something came home with her. It sounds like, though, they just got lucky and found someone who let them onto the land. So mm -hmm. maybe that's how you get there. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that couple, maybe they were ghosts. <gasps> oh, jeez. I don't know. I don't know. And then we have Mike Parkhurst, who said... I've been there so many times and didn't hear or see a thing until my friend and I brought a camera. So many orbs, ectoplasm-like balls of energy. <laughs> I am so certain something is going on there. We took the pics with a disposable camera. After getting the, that developed and seeing what was on there, we went back a week later with a new disposable camera and got the same results. So, mm, and then I read a few other stories too. There was a, um, a woman said that when she was in high school, the her teacher encouraged the class to visit Barahak 
And so she and a couple classmates went and uh, they took some photos and they experienced the same orbs and, and light streaks on uh, once their photos were developed, but they didn't notice anything at the time. So I don't know. Definitely seems haunted and spooky to me. I the next time I'm near Pomfret, which won't be anytime soon, but who knows? And I'm able to sneak up on this property. I'm going to take some pics and see what happens. Sneak. Wow, that teacher mm-hmm. sounds fun, but also like they right? could have gotten kids in trouble. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm guessing it was before it was marked as private property. Yeah, it. every time I hear about teachers doing irresponsible things, it makes me think of my high school health class. Our teacher was the wrestling coach and he challenged oh, no. kids to drink like a bunch of water in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And they ended up hospitalized because you can like yeah, drown, you can drown yourself, yourself internally yeah. by yeah. drinking too much water. Yeah. And it was like high drama. I was in class with two kids who got hospitalized. Jesus. So, but he kept his job. It was like they weren't even concerned. It was so bizarre. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You're too hydrated. That's you don't Sorry, do that. it's it's not a laughing matter. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> yeah, so word of advice, don't drown yourself by drinking too much water. I feel like I remember getting told that in school to not drink too much water too fast. But. Maybe it was around the same time. <laughs> uh, I learned it by seeing people get hospitalized, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, our, nest, our next spook is kind of like Ooh. Kylie's. You can't go there anymore because the land is cursed. Ugh. Oh, but shit. But also privately owned. So they're like, don't come hike here. You'll actually get fined, so actually don't go visit. The police don't want you there. This place is called Dudley Town, Connecticut. And it's spooky because all the Dudleys have cursed it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you about it. But people apparently go insane. They die. They go missing. It's a crazy place. Probably for the best that people are not supposed to go there. Yes. Right. I know. I felt like I had to give, you know, the warning ahead of time because there's a fine involved if you go. And I don't want anybody to get fined. No. Then they'll they'll send us the receipt. Exactly. And And they'll be like, sorry. I'm not paying. Right. So, no, don't go. But let's talk about it. Dudley Town. In northwestern Connecticut, within the town of Cornwall, lies this place called Dudley Town, and it's considered to be the most haunted place in Connecticut. I looked up a lot of places, a lot of, you know, Google searches on haunted Connecticut, you know, and this one came up a lot. So it's not actually like a town, obviously, because it's within Cornwall. It's more of like a area but it was established in the 1700s and then pretty much abandoned by like the late 1800s deadly town was fan founded fanded <laughs> he it was founded by thomas 
Griffiths, who was the first to settle in the area, but it was three Dudley brothers who moved there a few years later that the land would be named from. And it was these brothers who brought on the curse. And the curse came from England, from this this one Dudley. And y'all know how people get their names, right? Or like back then, it was kind of, you either took on your occupation name or like the land. And so the Dudleys came from this dude who was like a, a, his name was Dud. But then he like built this castle known as the Dudley Castle. So then everybody took on this name Dudley. And these Dudleys decided to come settle in Cornwall, Connecticut on this land that this guy <laughs> Thomas brought, this guy Thomas bought. And so he was like, well, I got a bunch of Dudleys here. Might as well name it, you know, Dudley Towns. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> Crazy stuff. It was like three Dudleys in a row came and was like, dude, can I come hang out here? Can you believe it? <laughs> I know. The nerve of those Dudleys. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. But back then, I mean, it kind of, it looks the same as it does now. It's a really rocky terrain. It's, it's on the backside is like three mountains. And they like to, um, be, because of the dense forest, it got this nickname called the Dark Entry Forest, which is kind of spooky, you know? That is spooky. spooky. Yeah. But um, it lies in the shadow of these mountains, so the town doesn't receive a lot of sunlight. And it's so crazy that during the winters, when the snow will be falling on Deadly Town, it doesn't touch the ground. Like, what's what? that? What? <laughs> I don't know. I never heard that. Science. I don't know. Yeah. But... So, like, all these Dudleys are here, right? And let me tell you about the curse first. Edmund Dudley, back in England, he was going against Henry VIII. And Henry Mm. VIII caught him and was like, no way, man, treason. You're getting beheaded. (laughs) (laughs) That is a direct quote. No way, man, Henry VIII. Treason. He's like, but before I behead you, I'm cursing your whole family. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. So there's curse was put on the Dudleys. And it's just. (laughs) (laughs) And so Dudleys now, just wherever they go, we're going to experience some horrors. So you can imagine that like a place called Dudley Town you know, that was just the end of it. They were like, uh-uh, you can't just come in here and make a town called Dudley. It's true. It's poor Dudleys, quite honestly, you know. <laughs> but so this curse is on the land. And because all these Dudleys are there. But the living was, like, never easy in Dudley Town. Like, many people, like, died because of disease and stuff which also could be attributed to like the lack of being able to plant good stuff in the rocky terrain Mm. and apparently there was a lot of lead in the drinking water 
Ah, mm, refreshing. Yeah. yeah, so that could probably kill you, but I don't know, or make you crazy. Do yeah, you think? both. Yeah. Well, here's the stories about like the craziness. In 1774, an epidemic struck one of the Auderham Carter household in Dudley Town and killed the entire family. Oh, a geez. second Dudley Town family, the Nathaniel Carters, they should have called this Carter Town, <laughs> distraught from loss, moved to Brigton, Binghamton, New York, where Native Americans ended up taking the life of Nathaniel and his wife and their infant, but they probably crossed their land or something and, like, threatened them. So, like, who knows mm-hmm. what happened there? And they weren't even in Dudley Town, but we're, we're attributing it to that. They think it was okay. that that killed them. The other Carters' children were kidnapped and sent to Canada And two daughters were held for ransom. The son of David Carter remained with his captors and eventually returned to the United States for formal education. So David escaped the curse of Dudley Town. But then another bizarre tragedy occurred when when resident General Hyman Swift... General Swift served in the Revolutionary War under George Washington, and his wife, Sarah Fay, it was from Dudley Town, and she was struck by lightning on their front porch. Oh, oh snap. And killed instantly. Oh. Yeah. Was she friends with Ben Franklin? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Who knows? But shortly after the wife's death, then General Swift ended up going apparently slightly mad so Mm. i don't know and then horace greeley y'all the editor and founder of the new york tribune Uh uh-huh he married mary cheney from dudley town and the two met oh get this the two met in a vegetarian boarding house a vegetarian boarding house this is what stop it i'm reading here yeah but the but their union ended when Mary took her own life, and they attribute this to Dudley Town. Whoa! Yeah. And then the next tragedy was John Patrick Brophy. John Brophy's wife died of TB, and shortly after, his two kids disappeared in the dark entry forest in the woods. I mean, they say that the children could be the children vanishing could be attributed to them stealing some sleigh robes and they wanted to go on the run. But like also Dudley Town is cursed. So could be that. Exactly. Then in 1899, Dudley Town was like pretty much completely deserted because obviously people were dying, going missing, going mad, and whatever they thought was happening to the cursed land. But in 1920, a Dr. William Clark was like, oh, I'm going to, I think this is a cool place to have a summer home. So he... (laughs) He wanted to go there with his family. He fell in love with the surroundings. He ended up forming the Dark Entry Forest Association to preserve 
Sorry, Alyssa, your face. Quite the summer activity. (laughs) Yeah, she, he, he wanted to preserve the natural forest, which I mean, it was going to be preserved because people thought it was cursed. So like, but do that. Awesome. You know, (laughs) unfortunately, one summer, Dr. William Clark was called away on an emergency in New York City and his wife ended up staying behind. And when he returned a few days later, she had gone mad. Another person just gone mad. Something's up. Right? Sources said something from the forest attacked her and left her completely insane. She lived out the remainder of her days in a mental hospital. And from that point on, Dudley Town kind of remained empty. So Reverend Dudley a lot of deadlies here. He says <laughs> that ghosts may have been at work here. In oh, the yeah. Town, and maybe it wasn't a curse. So he said that there, there could have been demons, which resulted in, you know, people going crazy. Dudley Town was also known to have bad bread which i feel like we've talked about before bad bread remember when we talked about some place having rye that made people crazy that was oh yeah 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 okay wasn't it right yeah yeah it could be yeah i mean again it explains me what do you mean i'm i'm wild and crazy you like rye bread (laughs) i'm a rye head Oh my God. (laughs) Anyways, there's rye bread here too. So I think that may make maybe made people mad, but also the demons could have been it, Reverend Dudley, or the curse. I don't know. I'm just. It could be a holy trifecta. Honestly. Demon, bread, curse. Or the lead in the water. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of people have, like, said this place is pretty spooked. Ed Warren thinks it's haunted and has said some things. There's books written about it. It must be. I mean, the fact that you can't go there, you can't hike. The Dark Entry Forest Association owns most of the land to this day, and they announced that they no longer want hikers on that land so the area that makes me want to go so bad quiet we'll get fined and you'll get cursed worth it i don't know though because it's a weird thing because all i'm all i read here is that from the 1700s to the late 1800s these cursings happened and you know what can we really believe Mm -hmm. in that period Mm -hmm. You know, the bread, the bread, (laughs) the bread doth lie. Do you think that's why they're keeping people out? It's because they're going to go pick some rye. Can you do that? Maybe. Does it need to be, does it need to be harvested? The one, one of the things that I got from that story is if you're cursed, they'll kidnap you and send you to Canada. And honestly, (laughs) I would love that right yeah. now. Thank you to yeah. the ghostvillage.com for 
assisting me with that story. Because we love them. Yeah. Apparently, these people got kidnapped to Canada. They were held for ransom. I don't think, I don't think the killings, because there was the French War, right? In that time. And the Mohawk Nation was on that land. So I feel like if you were kind of in the midst of the war, you might get in trouble. So it might not be the curse. Might not. Much to think about. Wow, Connecticut has some odd abandoned towns. Yeah. Truly. No, thank you. Well, who knows? Maybe they'll let us trespass if we ask nicely. Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> she knows those two ghost guys by that, by Bart. What's it? Barahack? Yep. Barahack. The, the ghostly couple, Barahack. Mm-hmm. Woo. All right, kids. You heard it here first. Connecticut. Haunted. Haunted. That was me also, stamping it. Haunted. If anyone's wondering why we're extra lethargic today, in I'm, Massachusetts, it's been 99 degrees. And in Texas, it's like always 99 degrees. So 100,000 degrees. I'm we're, we're a little hot. And there's just so much <laughs> going on all the time, I feel. You know? It's, true. Mm-hmm. it's hard. I, my stuff. mental capacity is diminishing oh, <laughs> by the day. <laughs> right. I've, like, completely lost it. Uh, well, I'm officially spooked. I hope the other people out there listening are also spooked. And uh, if you have any spooky stories yourself, send them to the Golden Ghouls podcast at gmail.com. And uh, until next time, stay spooky. Ooh. Ooh.